everybody, and welcome to episode 21 of the Atlanta Man podcast. Hi, I'm your host, Ryan Rogers, and we have a ton to talk about on today's episode between the Braves, the Falcons, some college football to even dip our toes into towards the back end of the episode. But we're going to start off with what I think is the biggest topic of conversation right now for all the Atlanta sports teams, and that is the Braves. They had a all-in-all really good week with um, with uh, two agonizing losses in the week, but um, overall a good week. They went, let's see here, three, six, and two. Yep, six and two on the week. But the two losses were absolutely excruciating, and we'll get into that now. But we'll start off on Monday in the desert against the Snakes, Braves, and Diamondbacks. It'll be Hawaskar Inoa on the bump for the Braves going up against Mejia for the D-backs and the Braves got the scoring started first in the third young thick Austin Riley has a two-run double to make it two to nothing in the top of the third but in the bottom Cattell Marte the god hits a two-run double of his own to tie things up and then a wild pitch gives the D-backs another run and they take a three to two lead after three but in the fifth inning, the Braves would come storming back in a big way. Freddie Freeman has an RBI double to tie it. Ozzy Albies with an RBI single. Austin Riley again, another RBI double. It's 5-3. to three. Then Adam Duvall hits a homer, makes it 7-3. to three. That scores Austin Riley. Jorge Soler drives in a run on the ground out. And Freddie Freeman, another base hit in the same inning to make it 9-3. to three. And if you're counting at home, that's a seven-run fifth inning for the Braves. And that about did it. They do it as some insurance later on. Eddie Rosario hits a homer because, of course, he did. And they scored another run on the wild pitch. Braves take game one in the desert, 11-4. Let's see if they can keep the good vibes going. And they do, of course, Young Thick in the top of the first, a two-run shot, and it's two to nothing Braves. And Ozzy joins them in the third with a two-run Jimmy Jack of his own. It's four to nothing Bravos. Move on to the bottom of the third, and the D-backs do get a run on the board on a Paven Smith ground out to make it four to one. But Jorge says, I'll take that right back in the top of the fifth. He goes oppo taco, and it's five to one Braves. Dansby has a big single in the ninth to get him going, hopefully. Makes it six to one, and that'll be your final. Braves have taken two straight against the Diamondbacks. Move on to Wednesday's game, and it's more of the same. The Braves absolutely dominated once again. Ozzy Albies got started in the top of the first with the sack fly, and then Adam Duvall hit a home run, but due to incompetent umpiring, it was called a single because it's really hard to explain um, without actually without you, without you actually seeing the um, the hit. But he hit one; it just snuck out, and um, the Diamondback center fielder McCarthy went up and tried to rob it, and like you couldn't really tell if he robbed it on the screen. So the umpires didn't do anything; they just kind of stood there because they didn't know what to call because they couldn't see the ball. And so Austin Riley, who was on first base or was starting to run around the bases because he thought it might get down for like a double or something, he has to run back to first because he's like, "Oh, the ball's caught," because they didn't call anything. So like I have to run back just in case. And he runs by Adam Duvall, and that makes Adam Duvall pass Austin Riley, which is an out. So instead of a three-run homer, it's a two-run single for Duvall. Um, and yeah, just a really weird play overall. Kind of mad in the moment because it could have cost a raise later, but it didn't. Um, it's three to three to nothing after one. 
the top of the first, move up to the bottom of the first. Cole Calhoun gets a run back, make it three to one on an RBI double. But then that bad man, young, thick Austin Riley, his homered again. That's his 31st of the year. That made it four to one Braves. And then Ozzy Albies in the fifth hits his 30th home run to make it six to one. Christian Walker gets a run back for the D-backs on a homer of his own, but Soler gets a sack fly. Freddie homers to make it 9-2, and that would be your final from Game 3. Ian Anderson pitched very well in this game. Seven innings pitched, just one earned run, and eight punchies for Ion Anderson. We move on to Game 4, and this one was a heartbreaker. Braves got out to an early lead in the third. Ozzy Albies. Has an RBI double scored Freddie, makes it one to nothing. Then Austin Riley, another home run, three to nothing Braves in the third. But then in the fifth, Dalton Varsho, he has an RBI single to make it three to one. But Dansby gets it right back with a sack fly in the sixth. It's four to one Braves. And we move on to the bottom of the seventh. They left Charlie Morton in. He gets two runners on and they yank him for Jacob Webb. And Carson Kelly takes him deep. And oh no, the game is tied. But that is not even the worst of it. Dalton Varsho again, RBI double makes it five to four, and then a sack fly makes it six to four, and that would be your ball game. Braves lose the finale, going for the four-game sweep, and they couldn't do it. They lose six to four after giving up five runs in the seventh. So an absolute heartbreaker to lose the sweep and uh, heading into San Diego where you have to make up a suspended game all the way from back in July and this one was also a heartbreaker. Uh, we will start off right where the game started, bottom of the fifth, and the Padres had a 5-4 to four lead. Um, Adam Duvall was the first to score in this game even though when this game started he was on the Miami Marlins so quite interesting twist there. But uh, Duvall tied the game in the sixth with a solo shot because, of course, he did. And the Braves send in their trusty closer, Will Smith, to keep it tied in the top of the seventh. He has to face Fernando Tatis Jr., that bad, bad man. And um, what exactly what you uh, thought would happen did. Fernando takes him deep and gives the Padres a 6-5 to five lead. Braves have a mini threat in the bottom of the seventh. Ozzy just missed a walk-off homer, but it did not make it out of the park. Braves lose 6-5 technically on July 22nd, so it doesn't really count for the week, but I guess it does. Braves lose, and we head to game two of the day. It is Max Freed on the bump for the Braves, and he was the story in this one. Braves get four runs. Uh, Dansby homered. Austin Riley drove in a run. Adam Duvall drove in a run. But uh, the main story was Max Freed because he threw his second complete game shutout of the season, and it was also a Maddox as he threw it with less than 100 pitches. Here's his line, nine innings, of course, just three hits, no earned runs, no walks, and four strikeouts for Max. That drops his ERA down to 3-1-2, and when the Braves needed a huge win, they got it on the back of Max. He was incredible in this one. So a good, a good bounce back after losing two games in miserable fashion. And we'll move on to Saturday, and this one was a thriller. Absolute crazy game. Um, it was Quascar Noah on the mound for the Braves and for the Padres. It was old friend Vince Velasquez of 
formerly of the Philadelphia Phillies, notorious Braves punching bag, and um, it was, he was kind of like that in this game, but they didn't really give him too much of a leash to even prove it. But we will start off in the bottom of the first because Huascar gave up a leadoff homer to Adam Frazier to make it one to nothing. Then he gave up another one in the second to Eric Hosmer, and it's two to nothing. Padres. Also in the second, the pitcher Vince Velasquez has an RBI ground out to make it three to nothing, but the Braves would start to chip away immediately after. Top of the third, Ozzy with a base hit to make it three to one, and Austin Riley again with a base hit to make it three to two, and then guess who did it again in the fifth? Young, thick Austin Riley ties the game in the fifth with a single, but things would get spooky in the bottom half of the inning as the Padres load the bases for Manny Machado and he does what you think he would do grand slam makes it seven to three in the fifth and all of the Braves hope is evaporated psych top of the six Jock Peterson young Jock RBI double to make it seven to four puts three runners on for Jorge Soler, and he does what he does. Three-run shot. It is tied at seven, his 25th homer of the year, one of the biggest swings of the year. But in the bottom of the sixth, Chris Martin would give up the lead on a single to Victor Caratini to make it 8-7. to seven. But in the ninth inning, Eddie Rosario with a clutch base hit with two outs off of Mark Melanson to tie the game at eight, and we will head to extras. And it's Jorge Soler again with an RBI double to make it 9-8. to Ozzy gets a sack fly to drive in Orlando Arcia. And that would make the score 10-8. to Will Smith comes in, slams the door without any issues at all. And the Braves get a huge victory over the Padres. 10-8 to is your final in extras. One of the biggest wins of the year. And just an absolute huge comeback. So we will move on to Sunday looking for the sweep of the Padres. And things started off well in the top of the second. Young Jock again. He takes Joe Musgrove deep for his 17th homer of the year. And Travis Darno would add on to that with his 13th double to make it 2 to nothing. Erde Adrianza has a base hit to make it 3 to nothing. But then here come the Padres. Jake Cronenworth, the Crone Zone, with a two-run triple to cut the lead to one. And Manny Machado again, RBI single, and the game is tied until the top of the six where we get a little Orlando magic RBI double for Orlando to give the Braves a 4-3 to three lead. And that would be all the run scoring for the rest of the game because the Braves' bullpen just shoved for the most part. They went in the bullpen game, Chavez to Smiley, and then Jacob Webb, the one blemish, gave up three earned runs. But then after that, to Mentor, to Richrod, to Matzik, to Jackson, to Will Smith, who walked three in the ninth, but he also struck out three in the bottom of the ninth to win an absolute thriller. And San Diego Braves sweep the Padres in San Diego. So, we will now take a look at the standings of what they are currently at. The Phillies also lost on Sunday, so that made the Braves lead two and a half since they won and the Phillies lost on Sunday. The magic number is currently five, and they have a three-game set against Philadelphia this week starting Tuesday. So that is the biggest series of the year and probably the biggest regular season series for the Braves since... Can't even put my finger on it because I can't really remember because the past three years the Braves have cruised 
at the end of the year. They've won the division handedly, and they just haven't done that this year. They've got a two-and-a-half lead, two game lead, though, with a chance to win the division if they were to sweep the Phillies. So that is something to look out for. If they can do that, that would just be an incredible way to clinch the division by sweeping them. It's in Atlanta, but if the Braves take two out of three in that series, they should be fine. They'll put the magic number at one. And, um, yeah, really just for this for this series for the Braves, just you can't get swept. That's just the one thing you can't do. Even if you lose two out of three, you're still in the division lead. So just don't get swept. Whatever you do, don't get swept. So when I look at uh, baseball reference projections, um, percentage per, by percentages, and they have the Braves at a 90% chance of winning the division right now. And the Phillies are just 10 because everyone's eliminated except for the Braves and the Phillies. So 90 to 10 is the split between the two teams of who's going to win the division. Um, both teams are pretty much out of the wild card because the Cardinals have gone insane lately. But, um, yeah, 90% for the Braves on the dot to make the playoffs and win the division. So pretty good odds for the Braves. Um, like I said, sweeping would be awesome because you would win the division. But if you take two out of three... Magic number is one, so that means you'd only have to win one game against the Mets, or if the Phillies lose one game against the Marlins, you win the division. Now, if you only win one game, you lose two out of three. Magic number is only three. It gets a little more difficult, but still, you're um, favored to win the division. If you get swept, you're not in the division lead anymore, and that is doomsday scenario for the Braves. They just really can't get swept. That's the bottom line. So, Braves are 83 and 72. Phillies are 81 and 75, two and a half game lead for the Braves, and they got a three game set coming up. All of their starting pitching is lined up. Game one will be Wheeler and Charlie Morton, Aaron Nola, Max Fried for game two, and game three, Kyle Gibson and Ian Anderson. So, both teams have lined up their starting pitching for this series. It's the biggest series of the year, pretty much the NL East championship, if you will. Not really, because the Phillies like really need to sweep, but you know. It's a, it's a huge series, nonetheless. Um, there's a chance to clinch the division in this one. This is the first time we could say that all year, the first series where you could actually do that. So it, uh, it's going to be fun. I will be at the game tomorrow night for game one. Maybe go to maybe go to the other ones, too. just depends on how it goes and what things are looking like. Um, if they do win the first two games and um, they have a chance to sweep and win the division on Thursday, I'll probably be at that game, too. So should be fun. Should be a playoff atmosphere for sure for the Braves. So a good week on all for them. They gained ground in the division despite the Phillies winning two. That's just how good they played. Six and two week will do that for you. Good stuff from the Braves. So now we will move on to the dirtiest of birds, the Atlanta Falcons. They they played Sunday too. Oh wow. Sorry about that. Uh, we'll move on to the Falcons now who played the New York football giants and they played a football game. And um, that's, that's for certain. Um, and the Falcons actually won this game. Somehow, despite the offense just being absolutely miserable for most of the game, um, they did enough by an eyelash to win this one, 17-14 against the Giants. Um, we'll go through the scoring now. The Giants got off to a 6-0 lead in the second quarter. They had a field goal in the first and in the second to make it 6-0, but uh, with a minute 33 left in the first half, Matt Ryan finds Alameda Zacchaeus, for a four-yard touchdown to make it seven to six at the half. 
And then in the fourth is the next time there would be any scoring. Giants had a one-yard run from Saquon Barkley for a touchdown, and they went for two and got it. Um, Daniel Jones actually trucked Grady Jarrett for this two-point conversion, which is a tough scene for Grady, but um, I forgive him. Um, we'll move on to what the Falcons did next. They responded with four minutes left. Lee Smith, the old man tight end, catches a touchdown from Matt Ryan to tie the game at 14. And then at the buzzard, Young Hui Ku nails a 40-yarder to win it as time expires. The Falcons are on the board, 17-14 to victory for them. So it was, a, it was a win. A win's a win's a win, I guess. But it was... Um, not of the impressive fashion or anything like that, but when you start off 0-2 and have looked as bad as they've looked, you kind of just take um, what you can get. Um, but now we'll get into the statistics of who I thought played well, who I thought um, left a little bit desired. We'll start off with Matt Ryan. Um, his overall line is perfectly fine. Um, 27 for 36, 243 yards. Yardage is a little low for that many attempts and completions. Two touchdowns, but just 6.8 yards. Um, per completion, so that's not great. Uh, I got sacked three times, no interceptions, but yeah, the Falcons just really weren't getting those big chunk plays like they usually do. Um, just just wasn't really happening in this game. Like they had a few against the Bucks last week, even here and there against Philadelphia, but even though they didn't score a touchdown, but they were few and far between in this one. Uh, move on to the running backs. Uh, Mike Davis led the team of carries with 12. He had 50 yards, long of 11, no touchdowns, 4.2 yards per carry. The Cordero Patterson didn't have a great day on the ground, but was the best receiver. We'll get into that in a second. But he had seven carries for just 20 yards. He had a long of 11 as well. And then we go to the receivers. Like I said, Cordero Patterson led the Falcons in receiving yards. Six catches for 82 yards um, on seven targets. No touchdowns, but he was the best player on offense for the Falcons today. Um, he was he was also off the field on special teams too. On kickoffs and all that, he was doing really good. Um, so yeah, like he he got chunk plays for the Falcons. He had a 28-yard um, reception that was the long of the game for the Falcons. And um, yeah, he was just the spark plug in this one once again. He's been awesome this year. Just a pleasant surprise of how good he has been. We knew we knew he was gonna be good, but he has been. I mean, through three games, he. I mean, out of all the weapons, like he's given Calvin Ridley a run for his money. Like I'm I'm not even I'm not even joking. The fact that I'm saying that. And um, being serious is uh, quite surprising. But I mean, Ridley hasn't been awesome yet this year. He's been fine, but he hasn't been awesome. He was good in this game. Um, eight catches for 61 yards, no touchdowns on 11 targets. So a solid game for Ridley. And then you have Kyle Pitts. He only had two catches on three targets, but um, for 35 yards. He had a long of 25, too, so he had a big chunk play. Both of those catches were in the fourth quarter and were pretty big, but he was quiet until then. Um, so I guess the Giants had him all wrapped up. Um, Alamde Zacchaeus, like I said, scored a touchdown. He had three catches for 32 yards. Mike Davis had four catches at the backfield. And uh, Lee Smith actually had three catches of his own to go along with a touchdown on all three targets. Um, total of seven yards, so nothing crazy. But, um, yeah, Lee Smith got, us some, got some action today, so good for him. Um, got the touchdown, too, for, uh, for Lee Smith. So we'll move on to what the defense did, and I think the defense was solid. Um, Giants numbers... Daniel Jones didn't throw a touchdown in this game. Um, Saquon Barkley had a rushing touchdown, and that was the only touchdown they scored. Um, but Daniel Jones, he didn't throw any interceptions either, kind of in the same boat as Matt Ryan. 
a solid completion to attempt ratio, but just not a lot of yards to show for it. So they're kind of in the same boat in this game. Both defenses played really well, too, on top of just poor offensive play as well. Just kind of a slugfest to watch, honestly. So, But it's still good that the Falcons got, got on the board. I mean, you can't really complain with the way they've been playing, but... Um, yeah, it it was it was um it was a kind of a tough game to watch honestly. It just was not it was not like the Buccaneers game last week where you kind of had all this action going on. But um still, Falcons won. Um on the defensive side, I think Foyer Luacon had a great game. Uh, Grady Jarrett had a sack in this one. Dante Fowler had a sack. So yeah, they had they had some good plays defensively, and um the big boys showed up. Don, I think Deion Jones was solid too. But uh, I think Foyer had the, probably the best game out of all of them. He led the team in tackles. He was just all over the place. He had one tackle for loss. So, yeah, the Falcons the Falcons defense did play pretty well in this one. Just giving up the one touchdown um, was was pretty pretty impressive. But not against the most uh, the most potent offense in the world that the Giants have, as they are now 0 3 on the year after dropping this one to the Falcons. Uh, the Falcons they have to play the Washington football team next week. They will be back in Mercedes Benz though. Um, they're also a one and two squad. They have really solid defense, but it hasn't really showed up from the beginning of the year. So it's kind of an even matchup. They're only three point or one point favorites actually in this one. So um, should be an interesting game. They're having to use Taylor Heineke right now, quarterback, because uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick's hurt. So we will see how that one is next week. Should be a doozy for sure in the bins. And speaking of the bins, let's talk about my jackets. Who? Had a game at the Drop Top Bins on Saturday night against the North Carolina Tar Heels, the number 21 team in the country, and they took care of business and then some. 45 to 22 was the final. Jeff Sims returned in this game uh, for the first time since week one against Northern Illinois, and he was awesome on the ground and through the air. Um, Jordan Yates did start the game, but Jeff Sims took over and just kind of never looked back. Um, his passing was he went 10 of 13 for 112 yards and a touchdown, and that was the most impressive part. The most impressive part was his feet on the ground, 10 carries, 128 yards, and three touchdowns on the ground for the second coming of Lamar Jackson, Jeff Sims. Just an absolute great game by him, and the, the Jackets really just stopped out North Carolina. Um, especially, especially nice to do it in the bends when you have this game once a year, and um, you know they came in this game 14 point underdogs, uh, 14 and a half actually, and um, they covered that. So yeah, they really took care of business and really solid win for Georgia Tech. So so talked about Georgia Tech. I guess talk about Georgia and their absolute beatdown of Vanderbilt. They won 62 to nothing. Not much to talk about. They uh, were winning 35 to nothing after the first quarter, and they took all their starters out after the first quarter. Um, there was a running clock for, I think, the whole second half, at least the fourth quarter. Um, yeah, Georgia Tech, Georgia absolutely pummeled Vanderbilt. It's honestly kind of sad. 62 to nothing. And um, starters only played the first quarter for Georgia. So there's your Georgia football recap for the week. They got Arkansas next week, which should be a really good game. Arkansas is playing very well right now, so that should be fun. Maybe get a little upset going uh, against against the against Georgia. So I'll be rooting for that for sure. Go Hogs! And Georgia Tech next week has Pittsburgh, which should be an interesting game. These two teams got a little bit of beef from from last year, so that should be a, should be a fun one for sure. So really solid weekend for me. Um, the Braves, besides the first game Friday, they went three and zero. Georgia Tech took care of business. And uh, the Falcons 
kind of, I mean, they did take care of business, but it was in one of the more um, uh, painful ways to watch. So definitely, definitely a good weekend for me, I'll say. And the fantasy teams are good too. Fantasy team, talk about taking care of business. Fantasy team, hold on. How many do we end up dropping total? Let me see here. Ended up dropping 160.14. Talk about a big boy performance. I mean, really, really just took it to to uh, my opponent this week. I'll leave him my name, save him the embarrassment. But um, yeah, currently up by 90 points. He's got a couple of guys on Monday Night Football, though, but there ain't no way he's coming back. Um, fancy team really flexed their muscles this week. And I'm winning in fancy baseball, too. About to win the championship in fancy baseball. Got a good lead headed into the last week of the season. You know, things are just things are just going good right now, man, sports-wise. And, um, you know, maybe I'm speaking too soon. Maybe everything's about to just go awry in the next week, but hopefully not. Hopefully things keep uh, going good. It's um, an unusual feeling um, for the teams that I root for to be all um, successful within the same weekend. It's, it's an oddity for sure. So, yeah, that'll do it for the episode. Um, if you made it this far listening, I thank you for listening. And um, I will see you in the next one.